Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen Christ is ascended. Christ will return. Alleluia. Today we do celebrate Ascension Day, and it is an important day in our church year. In fact, after the big three, as I like to call them, that is Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, I tend to think that Ascension Day is the next most important. But, but so many people, certainly our world today, but, but also some Christians, they don't necessarily observe or celebrate Ascension Day. But, but today is so important because without the Ascension of Jesus, well, then we might be tempted to assume that, that Jesus came and, and, and did all that he had to do here on earth, but, but then he went away, and now we're just here on our own. But today, what we hear from, from Scripture and, and what we confess about the ascension is that on this day, just the opposite is true. Today is the day that we confess and celebrate that our ascended King and Lord Jesus Christ is still very much at work in this world and in our own lives. And that can't help but mean such great joy for us. But it begs the question, why did Jesus have to ascend in the first place? Wouldn't it have been easier if he simply just stayed here on earth? Wouldn't it have been better if we could see him in his glorious and resurrected body? Wouldn't it be more joyful for us if he were still here? Well, in order to answer these questions, we, we listen carefully to God's word, especially God's word recorded by Luke, the gospel writer, as Pastor Don mentioned first in his gospel and then again in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And we pay special careful attention today to how the disciples reacted when they were there witnessing the ascension of Jesus. Now, for a moment there, the disciples did stand there gazing into heaven and, and watching as Jesus parted from them. And then two men in white robes appeared and stood by them. And, and these were the angels. These were like the ones who appeared at the tomb of Jesus on Easter when they asked the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? And, and this time they asked, why do you stand looking into heaven? Evidently, God created angels to be masters of rhetorical questions. But Luke, in his gospel, he shares the reaction of the disciples immediately after this, and so we take careful note of it. The disciples, they did not stand there despondent or upset, questioning why Jesus left them. Instead, what we see is that they worshipped Jesus and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is far from a reaction of puzzlement or sadness. This is a response of worshipful joy. You know, throughout the, 
the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. We usually see the, the disciples. They were generally the ones who didn't understand quite what Jesus was doing. They were usually a, a step behind him. They were often in the dark just as much as the rest of the crowds. But you see, on this day, on Ascension Day, they finally got it. They had been with Jesus for 40 days since his resurrection, and he had been opening their minds to the scriptures, seeing how they were fulfilled in him, that he had been opening their minds to all that he had come to do. And so when it came time for his ascension, they knew exactly what it all meant. And because of that, they were filled with great joy. So what does it mean for them? Why were they so joyful? And, what, and does this mean the same thing for us today? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be hearing about. And so I'd like to share with you at least four reasons why the ascension of Jesus means for us great joy. And so the first reason why the ascension is our great joy is because Jesus now does rule over all. In the creed, every week we confess the ascension. We say, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And because Jesus took his spot at the Father's right hand, Jesus has been granted power and authority over all things. This is what the Apostle Paul said in our epistle reading today. He says, God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. And he put all things under his feet. You see, the right hand of God is not simply describing the physical location of Jesus right now. It is an office. It refers to an office of authority and power that Jesus now holds. Jesus is forever Above all things as Lord and King. There will never be anything that can happen that will ever change that. And because Jesus rules, and because Jesus has shown us great love, we know that Jesus is there using his authority for our eternal benefit. Jesus has saved us from sin and death, and he keeps us safe from physical and spiritual harm every day, and he is leading us every day into eternity with him. Of course, there are days that we can't help but wonder why it seems at times that Jesus isn't in complete control. We know he is, but it doesn't look like it sometimes. There are days like the days that we saw this past week where unspeakable suffering or tragedy occurs and we begin to wonder, is Jesus in control? Well, Scripture acknowledges this seeming conflict. The author of Hebrews, for instance, states, Now putting everything in subjection to Jesus, God left nothing outside of his control. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. In other words, we know that Jesus is ruling over all things, but we, as limited as we are as creatures, can't always see it every day. But we know it by faith, and we also know that the day is coming that what we know now by faith 
we will see fully in that day with our own eyes. We'll look back and see that Jesus has, in his wisdom, ruled all things well. And so we can give thanks now, as we know we will give thanks then, that Jesus is king. That brings us comfort. Because even on those days when we may not understand why things happen the way that they do, we know that Jesus is in control. And he has all authority. The second reason why the ascension is our great joy is because Jesus is now always present with us. Now, this one may seem a little counterintuitive at first. It seems like, or it may seem like, that because Jesus ascended, it means that he's not always present with us. But to explore this a little bit, I'd like us to go back to the Easter account, back in in John chapter 20 for just a moment. And we see Mary Magdalene at the tomb that morning. She just has found the empty tomb, but she's distraught because of that empty tomb. She's convinced that someone has carried away the body of her Lord. And, And so while she is weeping... Jesus appears. But Mary assumes that he's a gardener or someone like that. And so she's asked him, she asks him if he's taken the body somewhere and and just to tell her where it is so that she can go retrieve it. But Jesus simply responds by saying her name. And that's all that Mary needs to realize who it was that was standing before her. And so in realization of Jesus, her risen Lord, she goes and clings to him. But then Jesus says something that's a little confusing. He says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now, Jesus wasn't telling Mary, Mary, I need some space. Please back up. Rather, what Jesus was saying is that it is appropriate to cling to him, but not at that moment. You see, the time to cling to Jesus would come after his ascension. You see, if Jesus had decided to stay here on earth indefinitely in his resurrected body, he would certainly still be visible to us, but he would only be in one physical spot at a time, just like in that moment with Mary Magdalene. Instead, because he is now ascended, Jesus is able to be present with all believers at all times and in all places. We are able to cling to Jesus on a daily basis, and he is truly and actually present for each one of us. Jesus promised his disciples and us in Matthew chapter 28 that he would be with us always, even to the very end of the age. And it's precisely because he has ascended that that's possible. But how do we know that Jesus is present with us today? Where can we find him? Where can we cling to him? Well, there are Christians today who who don't believe what we do about God's word and, and sacraments who might have a hard time answering that question. And so they'll say something like, well, in order to find Jesus, well, then you need to search for some kind of vague feeling of his presence that that you may or may not feel in your heart. Or they'll say, if you just believe hard enough, if you come close enough to Jesus, then then maybe you will hear his voice or, or have some kind of inkling of him inside of you. I don't know. To me, that just leaves too much to chance. 
And honestly, it depends too much on me and you. It's not concrete enough, and more importantly, Jesus never said that. Instead, what Jesus has said, and and why we take him at his word, is in the places where he has promised to be found, where, where he is actually present with us, not in some vague spiritual way, but in real, physically concrete ways. There's no guesswork about it. You don't have to wonder where you can find Jesus because he has told you where you can find him. Jesus promises that when you open the pages of his word, you hear his voice, or when you hear his gospel preached, or when the word of forgiveness goes into your ears, or when you hear your sins absolved by your pastor acting in the stead and by the command of your Lord Jesus Christ, or when you feel the water pouring over your head, drowning your sins in the waters of baptism, or when you eat or drink his body and blood in the the bread and the wine given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins in holy communion, then it's there in these concrete and sacramental moments that Jesus is truly present with you. Not only spiritually, but also sacramentally and physically present. Do you see how unique And special that is what we believe about these moments. And it's not because Lutherans have made this up or something like that, but because we trust what Jesus himself has said in the scriptures. We gather not in some vague spiritual presence of God. We gather in this place and he meets us here, truly and wonderfully. He is here. Christ dwells with us and that is wonderful. In these moments, the ascended Lord invites you personally to cling to him, just as Mary Magdalene clung to him on that Easter morning. And that presence of Christ is our great joy. The third reason that the ascension of Jesus is our great joy is because in his ascension, Jesus also promises to return. Which means that the way that things are right now is not the way that things will always be. Men of Galilee, those angels asked the disciples, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The Apostle John writes in the first chapter of Revelation, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will See him. And we confess in the creed, he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. But you see, if Jesus did not first ascend, well, then he could not return. And again, he didn't ascend to get away from us, but because Jesus ascended, not only is he continually present with us right now, but he also assures us that just as those angels assured the disciples that he will return in the same way that he went up. We we don't know when, the day, nor the hour, but we do know for certain it will happen. And when Jesus does return, that day will be the day of greatest joy for us. We do not need to fear the judgment, his judgment on that day, because Jesus has already shared with us his victory over sin and death and the devil. 
When Jesus returns, he promises to restore us, restore all of creation, in fact. That day will be the day when Jesus will make all things new in the new heavens and the new earth. And because Jesus ascended into heaven in his resurrected body, we know that we too on that day will experience the joy of our own resurrection. We will experience our own bodily ascension into the peace and wonder of God's eternal life. And so we take great joy knowing that Jesus will return. And that then brings us to the fourth and final reason why the ascension of Jesus is our great joy. And it's one that we will talk more, continue to talk more next week as we celebrate Pentecost. Jesus promised that until the day he returns, he does not leave us as orphans. Instead, Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. From our gospel reading today, Jesus said, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And it was back in the upper room that Jesus had told his disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The disciples, they didn't understand those words at first because it was before Jesus' death and resurrection. But, but after those events and after the ascension, they remembered Jesus' promise to clothe them with power to do everything that he had commanded them to do. And he had commanded them to, to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all nations beginning there in Jerusalem. And they would go on to do just that. You read through the book of Acts and and you see how the disciples were witnesses of Jesus and they were witnesses of Jesus in phenomenal ways. Do you know the word for witness there in the Greek in scripture is the same word for martyr? To be a martyr means to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the disciples would be martyrs, some, many, losing their lives. But by doing so, by all that the Holy Spirit was empowering them to do, they were sowing the seeds of growth for the church of their Lord Jesus. And it wasn't on account of how great they were or how eloquent their words were or or anything like that. It wasn't because of their own power. It was on account of the Holy Spirit working within them and through them. The Holy Spirit who created and sustained their faith, faith to trust in their risen and ascended Lord, and faith to do all that he had commanded. Well, today, we are the witnesses of Jesus. We recognize that we have been given that same faith, that same trust from the Holy Spirit to trust in Jesus. Now, we may or may not be called upon to sacrifice our own lives here on earth, but we are willing by the power of the Holy Spirit to give our all for the sake of our risen and ascended Lord. You know, speaking of sacrifice, this weekend is Memorial Day when we take time to honor and remember the members of our armed forces who gave the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country and our freedom. 
They serve as examples to us here on earth what sacrifice looks like in this world. And as Christians, we are called to live in in self-sacrificial ways for the sake of those around us and for the sake of Jesus. And we can't do this on our own, but we can because we have been given power from the Holy Spirit who gives us the faith necessary to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, we see those disciples this day responding to the ascension of Jesus with great joy. And today we have the privilege to respond in the same way. We know that Jesus is ruling over all things. We know that Jesus is truly present with us even now and always. We know that Jesus has promised to come again one day soon. And until that day, we know that Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit who creates faith within us, guides us, protects us, and enables us to be his witnesses. The ascension of Jesus is indeed our great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is risen. Christ is ascended. Christ will return. Alleluia. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. At this time, I invite the congregation to please stand.